Hey guys, it's Jamie Scrimger here, second wife, stepmom of three, and mom of one. And you're listening to my podcast, where we talk about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. If you're ready for raw and real conversations and are striving to live your very best life, then you are in the right place. Every week, I'll provide you with tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So this week we have Heather Stewart of Wicked Stepmom on the show. And guys, if you're not familiar with Heather, you're going to just love her. She is a second wife, a passionate and dedicated stepmom of two boys, a talented writer and a straight shooter just like me. So in this episode, we get real and open about our experiences with infertility as a stepmom. And I haven't talked a lot about it on the podcast, but we have been struggling with infertility since Reese was about two. Now, while I was able to get pregnant with Reese right away, Darren and I have not been able to have another baby. And after several rounds of unsuccessful fertility treatments or several unsuccessful rounds of fertility treatments, we ended up throwing in the towel about a year ago. Now, Heather has had her own experience with infertility as a stepmom, and amongst other things in this episode, we dive into what it's been like for her. Guys, this is such an important conversation to have and one that isn't had enough. One thing that I learned when I started sharing about our experiences with infertility and secondary infertility is that so many women struggle, like so many women especially women in the stepmom community whose husband had a vasectomy prior to them getting together, or there's been other complications because of you know previous relationships. Now, before Heather and I get into this important conversation, if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast and give us a review on iTunes. That is, if you like the podcast, if you don't like the podcast, if you could just keep that opinion to yourself and go find an episode somewhere else that you like, that would be awesome. But guys, the reviews help us continue to grow and get more kick-ass guests and create more kick-ass episodes. So if you could do that, that would be amazing. Honestly, it literally means so much to me. All right. Okay. Thank you for doing that. Now let's dive in. Heather, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jamie, for having me. This is exciting. I know. I, You know what? I was just saying... Um, Guys, I recorded this podcast with Heather and it's in the evening and I never, ever record podcasts in the evening because I like to go to bed super early so I can wake up super early, but Heather is definitely worth staying up for. So I'm so excited to chat with you today or Thank tonight. you for having me. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, so for those who aren't familiar with you, give us the lowdown. Like, Tell us about you and your family and just kind of give us your elevator pitch, I guess. Yeah. So first of all, I am not the typical quote unquote, wicked, bad stepmom, by the way, I am the wicked, cool, awesome, wonderful stepmom where I come from, which is the most Eastern part of Canada in Newfoundland. Wicked means like, Oh, that's a wicked time. Oh, wicked. Cool. So it was kind of a play on words of where, um, my little name came from. So just to clarify, I am, I'm the awesome kind. Um, not the fairy tale, you know, stepmother that we learned about in Disney, Disney movies. I am a stepmom of two boys. They are now, oh my gosh, how old are they? They are eight and 10 and they were two and four when I came in the picture. So it's been six years of navigating this amazing, wonderful, sometimes not so fun journey. And I've been <laughs> married to my husband for two and a half years and we live in Kelowna, British Columbia. 
We're both from. It is so beautiful there. It is. It's wine country too. So, I mean, it wasn't, he didn't have to twist my arm too hard when I had to move out this way. Oh my God. That's so amazing. So we're both actually from Eastern uh, Canada. We both met there actually as teenagers. Uh, Funny enough, I'm my husband's first kiss. We were teen crushes all as our, I guess, from age 14 to young adult life. And I continued to push him away because he was the good guy and I was not the typical conservative good girl. So I, even as like he reached out to me, I guess uh, six months before he got married, because uh, we always did, we always connected, we were great friends. And I kind of pushed him away. I was like, no, I'm Miss Independent. I love my life. I'm career driven. I'm, you know, partying on tabletops. And he was like settling down. So we went very different lifestyles for 10 years. And basically 10 years later, we reconnected and the rest is history. Oh my gosh. I love that. First of all, I didn't know that about Wicked Stepmom. I thought you were just mocking the negative stereotype that comes with being a stepmom, which I'm totally on side with as well. But yeah, that's amazing. So Wicked is a positive thing. Well, I guess it is. I've heard it used in that way. Like, oh, that's Wicked in a positive way. But yeah, well played, well played. Right. It actually came up. I'm not going to lie. It came up over a bonfire with like a bunch of drunken friends. So I, I, you know what? It has a good story. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. So what made you start talking about your experience as a stepmom like on Instagram? Because you have an Instagram platform now and you talk very openly about your life as a stepmom and, and what, what that looks like. Yeah. I think what happened is that I came into this role, remember, like being super independent. I, like I lived and loved my twenties. My, I, I, I fully believe as much as I in that time period, looking back, I was lonely and I wanted the conventional settle down and, you know, picket white picket fence lifestyle. I loved my life. And so when I moved into the lifestyle, uh, and the journey of a, as a stepmom, I mean, I, I navigated it slowly. We did do long distance for almost a year. Uh, so when I was put thrown into it, all of these things were happening as a first time parent, a first time mother. And Jamie, um, you had them, I'm sure with Reese, and she had a blowout when she was an infant in the middle of the grocery store. And you're like, oh, my God, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Well, I I had a four year old, you know, pee his pants in the middle of the grocery store. And he looked up at me and knew I totally know, didn't know what to do. And they were funny. And I mean, I had these first they just were with a two and four year old or, you know, a three and five year old. And I and I would share these with my friends and family. And I would just start, I started writing them down because I'm like, I want to remember these first, just like, you know, a, a conventional mom does for their first with the baby, the first steps. I missed all those. And I never felt like I missed anything. I just knew these first were going to be funny to look back at and laugh at when they were adults. And I started as a funny relief, like normalizing the stepmom role as a normal parent as well. Our first just look a little different. Mm-hmm. No, that's so, so true. And I feel like, did you feel weird documenting them or feel like people were wondering why you would be talking so openly about being a stepmom? I think at first, um, actually it was probably my inner circle 
inner circle that thought it was a little bit weird at first, but I'm like, no, like I tried to put a heavy three-year-old in a cart for the first time and drop and shop around the girl. Like, that's really awkward. Like I'd never done that before. (laughs) You didn't get to start with a little baby. You were like literally putting this big thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. 50 pound child. That was like the half of the height of me. Like I, their legs are big and they're heavy. So, you know, silly things like that, that, maybe people didn't really understand why I would share it with the world. And I actually sat on it for quite a, like probably a year. And then I finally was like, I'm going to start, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And then of course, when you put the first thing, few things out there and then you start realizing there actually are other people that are doing this too. So you're not as crazy. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting because I thought about starting my blog so many times before I actually did. Like I remember walking on the treadmill and I would literally be planning out posts and thinking about things that I want to talk about. Um, but it, it, something was holding me back and it was that fear, right? A fear of just sharing your story. But when you do, all of a sudden you realize there's, there's such a community of stepmoms online. It's, it's pretty cool. It's actually crazy. And I think I always call them like virtual friends. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband will be like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, just talking to my virtual friends, yeah. <laughs> my online friends. And I think for me, I, I really felt it. There was, I actually haven't had much negativity. Knock on wood, thank God that it's been mostly positive. But I had someone local say something negative. And, you know, it. I'm not even talking bad about that person by no means. They were just obviously triggered by something I had said because they were a birth mom in their own situation. And so I understood it. But the community that of stepmoms that surrounded me and backed me up to say, no, this is what she's actually saying. Like, she's not talking bad or ill or this, this wasn't negative. Like, Heather's just this. And I'm like, wow, like these are amazing women who get it, who understand it, who are in the thick of it and in the emotion of it and simply have your back. It, it was really cool for me. Yeah. It's interesting that there aren't, cause I don't get a lot of hate messages or backlash either, like the odd one. And as you grow, it starts to happen more and more as I'm sure you've seen, but it is really interesting. Like the majority of people are just so happy that you're actually saying things out loud that everyone else has been afraid to say. That's totally it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I will stay even still, I'll go to talk openly about, life as a stepmom or something that I'm going through and I'll have that pit in my stomach before I press publish and I still get it now, but it's always those posts that everyone's like, Oh my God, thank you so much. Yeah. And then you have those like relationships that know that it was hard for you to probably post that because you've Mm -hmm. gotten to know them a little bit differently or a little bit more in depth virtually. And they're like, thank you for posting that. I know that one was hard to press, you know, press post. And I was like, thank you. I needed that pat on the back because it is, it's, it's hard every time. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, speaking of hard, I think something that you and I both talked about openly on our platform is just struggles with infertility. And I think that infertility, from a step-parent's perspective is, or a step-mom's perspective, is so much more complicated than just your typical situation. What, can you kind of give us a lowdown on, you know, your situation with infertility and kind of where your head's at when it comes to sharing your journey, I guess, with the internet? Yeah, I, and I, I know that you've started sharing the last year, I believe as well, Jamie. So it's, I don't know. I go into these conversations and it's hard. And I think what people don't realize, and I don't know if this is the case for you, um, but our journey 
of, of this, like started from the beginning, to be honest, but the depth of it has really happened over the last two years. But along the way I've been writing, I just wasn't strong enough to necessarily post it. And it wasn't until this past fall that, cause my husband had said as well, he's like, you know, writing is your outlet. Like, why don't you start sharing it? We're carrying this on our own. There's these people who support you. Maybe you'll find in, as a stepmom, maybe you'll find the same, like with regards to fertility. And so I finally said, okay, I'm going to have the courage to post. And it was this fall, but a lot of the things that I'm posting are even, even things that happened last year, this time, I just in, I was in the thick of it. And I think I was scared of maybe people messaging me and asking for that same support that I provide through a, as a stepmom. And I just didn't have the capability to do it at the time. Cause I was still grieving or I was excited or, you know, I couldn't necessarily be there for them because I also was in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. To give everyone kind of a synopsis, my husband had a vasectomy in his late 20s and he was pretty young to have a vasectomy. Um, he has his own story. Maybe Darian and him can have a talk about that someday <laughs> over a podcast on that ordeal. But um, I, early on in our relationship, as I knew it was evolving into feelings, I basically said to him, like, if you don't believe in marriage again, or if you don't want kids, like, let's just be friends. Like we've always been, let's just leave it where it is because that's something I've wanted. And apparently that night, it was when we were long distance, he started researching reversals and the cost of it and the likelihood of it. And so I came into the relationship knowing that that's the route that we would go when we felt like it was right for us. And there were things like I wanted to get married. There were some traditional boxes I wanted to tick, to be honest, because everything else was so untraditional in that the route I took. And we decided to do the reversal a year and a half ago. And it was no, actually, sorry, a year ago. And it was last spring that we found out that it was unsuccessful. So we've been on a journey since then. Um, honestly, I stuffed it for the full summer and then we started to navigate whether we wanted to do IVF, um, financially, obviously that's really expensive. It is the case for anybody across the globe. Uh, we even looked at donor assisted pregnancy for donor sperm and researched that we've seen psychologists and a lot of professionals in what route is best for us to take. And honestly, some days, Jamie, it felt like no route was the best. I don't know. Have you felt like that? Like, like no route meaning is any of this even worth it? Yeah. Like, yeah, I totally agree. And you know, our situation is different. So when we, when we had Reese, it was, we literally started dating. We moved in together. We got married. We got pregnant. It, like we were pregnant three months after we were married and it just happened. Right. So I always just assumed if we wanted to have another one, we could. And that just wasn't the case. We tried I don't even know the exact dates because I feel like if I really knew them and really kept track, I would be distraught over it. But, you know, Reese is going to be six and we tried until I think we decided I'm going to say before summer. So a, about a year ago, just to kind of press pause on everything. Um, and yeah, it just got to the point where I didn't know if I could emotionally do it like, anymore. Like yeah. that, that's what it is. It's just that I don't know if I could have another month of disappointment. So that's kind of where I was at. Like, is it worth it? And, you know, you go back and forth you, cause there's people who will say, well, you should be happy. You have, you know, three stepkids yeah. and Reese. And I'm sure people say, right? no, well, you have the boys. It's like, I know, but it's actually not the same. 
And yeah. you can't sometimes say that to people because they don't fully understand. I love my stepkids with all my heart. It is not the same as having my own daughter from birth. Like it's just not. And right. that bothers some people for me when I say that out loud, but that's just the truth. And that's my experience. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And I think I actually, so if you read any of my uh, posts, it's, it's very of the narrative that I love these boys. Like they are my own. The reality is, is that I love them like they are my own because I know no other love mm-hmm. you are, you have the experience you know, firsthand that, you know, love differently. It's like being in silly little relationships in the moment. You think that, you know, no other love like that until you find your soulmate and you're like, Oh, this is what they meant. And I think that's what it comes down to with stepkids and bio kids. And I know no other love, like the unconditional love that my boys give me. And I truly believe that I love them like my own. And if we were never to have our own children, that I would be, you know, feel complete with that love, but the knowledge on the longing of this like dream, I guess that I've had since I've been a little girl isn't, doesn't go away, but the love that I have for them is still there. That doesn't change. You still love them. It's just the way you love your stepkids and the way you love Reese just looks a little differently because there's one that's your blood and one that there's not. Yeah. And you know, and that's the thing. And I, speaking of getting hate, there was um, a mom or a stepmom who was really upset by me saying that. And when I say that, I am not saying that you can't love your stepkids like they're your own. I, I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not saying that I don't love my stepkids like they're my own, but they're not fully my own. And that's from our situation too, right? And it it's just the craziest thing. It's like this different kind of love that I've experienced doesn't mean that either of them are any more important than the other or whatever. It was just something else that I wanted. And it's, you, you coined it when you're saying it's just the dream that you had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y- yeah. And I think that's, what's really hard. Even stepmoms who come into this. And I mean, there's lots of stepmoms out there, um, that are, that have never wanted their own and, kudos to them. That's great. That's their journey. And I think it's fantastic. But I, I had that. And obviously you had that as well. You wanted a family, you wanted siblings for, you know, for Reese. Mm -hmm. And that's, that doesn't just go away by making a decision and then grieving it overnight. Like that's just like that dream didn't come overnight either. It was built upon years and years and years and years and years, you know? And I think for stepmoms in particular, it's hard because you have that constant reminder that they, your husband, the man you love that you've waited all your life for has shared the one thing you want more than anything with somebody else. And you can't have that. And not that that makes our, the stepmoms with no bio children any harder than the one who doesn't have children. Because I do also look at my position and be like, I still get to have friends because the kids have friends and I still get to go to the school stuff and be involved with them and do all the kids stuff and, you know, be exhausted and complain about motherhood and all of that at the same time where the friends who have no children at all, it's just the two of them and it's lonely and it's a constant reminder. But I do think that rem- when you come into a role such as a stepmom and in a blended family, there's already so many reminders and we work constantly to get rid of them, you know, and it's a growing thing and it's something else you get over and something else you forget about. And it's no big deal and move past, but something as big as having your own children and growing your family together. I think it's really, I think it's really hard to let go of. Yeah, for sure. And I, I've found, you know, 
there have been periods of time where I thought I was totally fine. You know, you're talking about your summer, right? You just kind of shoved it under the rug for the summer. And then, you know, you see someone who has a new baby or, you know, there's a friend of mine who was pregnant when I had Reese, we were pregnant at the same time. And then now she's on her third baby and you see those things and you think you're fine. And then you see something and it triggers you very much like, a lot of stepmoms, you know, you ebbs and flows, right? You go through stepmom life and you're like, oh, all is good. Things are really great. You know, I think we're past all of that hard stuff. And then wham, something happens and it punches you and you got, and you're reminded that you're not the real mom or that, yeah. you know, you're reminded of something and it's very much the same. It doesn't ever fully go away. It, it doesn't. You're right. Yeah. So in terms of you know, people's reactions to your openness about the infertility. Have you had anyone make any comments based on your role as a stepmom and, and things that you just feel like people just don't understand what it's like? Not within the community. Honestly, it was probably more within my circle and family and friends. Again, not many of them knew what I was going through or sorry, we were going through. So it was almost like that awkward phone call before you decided to press send or post on things because you're like, I don't want, you know, these people to find out via the internet that this is your journey you're on. And I think the responses that people have, they think they're doing well. They think they're saying the right thing. What they don't really recognize is that you've been through all those scenarios already. You've been through all those like possibilities and questions and you've like internally and as a couple. And I think that's where, because people feel comfortable, they're your safe, they're your family or your closest friends, right? And they are just wanting to like give you an answer to make it better. And they don't realize what they're actually saying is like, oh, it's just bringing me back to here again. I have to go through all this again about why my stepkids are not enough, quote unquote, but they are enough, or I'm lucky to have them, or I need to get past the fact that he shared that with somebody else, or, you know, maybe we should do donor because, well, then it's like an even playing field. Well, I have something of my own. He has something of his own, you know, like it's, it hasn't been within the community because I feel like the community understands like the stepmoms themselves understand the emotions that I'm putting out there because they've either felt it or been through it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, or they know someone that has. Um, and I feel like the support has been unbelievable. The only hard thing I've had to navigate is someone saying, Hey, I'm going through this exact same thing. How did you deal with this? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't be there for you as a support system. I'm just putting it out there in the world because that's what I need to do. I'm not actually here as a support system for fertility. I'm here as a support system for stepmoms. But like the infertility part is like, I'm still in the thick of it. Like I'm knee deep in this like mud pit navigating what's the next best or not for us, you know, and it's hard to give people the right advice in that. No, and I totally get it. And I think you and I are very much the same in that we present as very confident, secure, okay people right? Like we're okay. We seem like we're strong. Like, so no one would picture us sitting on the floor, bawling our eyes out. Right. They just, you know, you, when you're this support online, people think you have it together all the time. And I don't, I would get the same type of messages and it's like, I'm just barely hanging on by a thread here. And I think it's because we present as, as so confident that people you know, come to us for that support where it's like, I got nothing for you. I cannot even. Yeah. I actually haven't brushed my teeth in three days and I haven't been out of bed. So like, let's, let's just 
put a pin in this and we'll talk about it in a month's time. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. You know what? So, I, and I, and I think this is such an important conversation to have. And what I love about what you're saying is that you're, you're just being honest and you're sharing your journey as it's happening or not necessarily as it's happening, as you're processing it and going through it. When you're talking about your family and your friends, when you're making those calls before and saying, Hey, just so you know, I'm going to press post on this. You, you probably want to know before you see it online. I didn't do that. So this is something that people I've never really shared before. So no one in my family knew the details of what I was going through. My mom didn't really know what I was going through. They had the, you know, they had the gist of it, but not the deep, you know, I have an appointment at the clinic today, or this is what I'm going through, or this didn't work, or, you know, we had another failed session. They didn't know any of that. I would post it online or in a blog, or I had a big interview about it and they would hear from it from that. And that was actually something that was so hard for people in my life because they're like, why aren't you talking to us about it? But I don't know about you. I find it's easier to write it out than it is to have a conversation with someone. Absolutely. That's why like, I don't know. I've had this note in my phone and I'm writing while I'm sitting in a waiting room about the emotion Mm -hmm. that I'm currently in or whatever, like two, like two years ago, a year ago, you know, I mean, there's stuff happening to like right now in our journey that I'm writing about, but I'm not putting out there because I don't, I also don't want to have to go back to the community in the thick of it and be like, "Mm, it didn't work or "Mm, it did work. I don't think I need to tell all those people day by day necessarily, because I'm still navigating that exact emotion. And I only want to have to answer to us and our relationship. You know, I want to give it the attention that it deserves because it is a, it is a process for both of us. And by the way, I learned that the hard way. It is not just about me. It is about him as well. (laughs) And they sometimes, did you find that he didn't necessarily react the same way as you were? So you kind of felt like it was all about you like what oh. you were going through and he didn't really, it didn't seem like he cared that much, but he was trying to be strong for you. Oh yeah, yeah. You like, totally hit that nail on the head. Like to the point that then we'd have a, like an argument or disagreement about it and be like, why are you not upset? Like I'm upset. And he's like, I'm processing it differently. Like I'm thinking about how I can make this come through. And I'm like, we made a decision and now I'm grieving it. And this is what, and in the meantime, he's searching, you know, donor assisted and what that would mean for him. And he wanted to bring that to me in a clear headed space, you know, like, yeah, I totally put expectations on him that were not realistic. Yeah. And you're like, I don't actually talk about things in a clear headed space. I talk about things when I'm really super emotional. (laughs) It's like, that's (laughs) like me, right? Irrational. Yeah. 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 Well, I have a firm believer that things work out the way they're supposed to, but I also think that a lot of shit really sucks in life too. So I don't know. I'm thinking about us both hoping that it works out for us both. And you know what? I'm just so glad that you are talking about it with the community, even if it's in a way that maybe some people don't necessarily need right now. They're needing that support, but even just having this conversation is normalizing it. So thank you for that. Thanks for saying that. I don't, I don't think anyone's actually acknowledged that. I think that it means a lot because I know where your place is in this and it's not always easy to press post. So I really appreciate that, Jamie. Yeah. And you know what, before we wrap things up, I want to go back to something that you said, um, I think it was like 10, 15 minutes ago, you were talking about you and your partner and you're about to kind of get serious. And you had a very frank conversation with him and you said, basically you've done things that I want to do. And are you open to doing those? Cause if not, I'm not, I don't know if I'm all in here. 
Yeah. Yeah. And sorry, that was really early on. Yeah. And uh, that struck me because that was the same with me. Darren and when I were three dates in, maybe four dates in, and I looked and said, look, you've done things that I want to do. And I need to know if you're open to that again, because I don't want to waste anyone's time. And so many stepmoms come to me and they're a year and a half in, or they're two years in and they're saying, Hey, how did you get your husband to have a baby with you? Or how did you get him to, you know, move in together or make these choices together? And I'm like, you, you talk about those at the very beginning. <laughs> like, I think yeah. it's very important to have those conversations at the very beginning of these relationships so that you all know, like you're all on the same page. It's, it's not about winging it in these situations. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And I think for, even for me in the position, I was like, I'm, I dated a lot. Like I lived a lot. Like I wasn't, I don't know. And Chris also, like my husband lived across the country from me. Like this was not an ideal situation. And he was visiting his family in Halifax, Nova Scotia, where I had all my shit finally together. (laughs) And so for me, I was like, once I knew that there were feelings possibly involved on his end, I'm like, this needs to get out of the way because I can't, I can't open my heart and possibly be hurt. Um, and I think I, I do get the same messages and, but like for me, I think it depends on where you're at in life in coming into the situation too. I had a, I had enough, I have lived enough. I had lived enough to know what I didn't want. Mm-hmm. And so that comes in. And I think sometimes, and that doesn't say that women who forget to ask or don't, they just think it's going to happen because they were madly in love. And of course, that's just the way life goes. It's not saying they didn't live enough necessarily to ask the question. They just expected it to happen. For me, I had known from previous relationships that I needed to verbalize my expectation and not just expect it because I had no idea where his head space was. Yeah, you can't assume anything. And I, I think that's very true for all relationships, but I think it's especially true when it comes to stepfamily dynamics. Like the communication piece from the very, very beginning is so key. It really, really is. I am a firm believer in, you know, we weren't always perfect at it, but we've had to learn different techniques and use different resources for communication in regards to a blended family. And I think they are vital to success. I mean, we have all the stakes against us, Jamie, as second marriages, and I am all about proving those wrong. Yeah, no, for sure. And so if you were to go back to your early stepmom days, what's the one thing you would do differently? There's probably like a hundred, cause I could list a hundred things I would do differently, but what's the one thing that you wish you would have done a little differently? I should have drank more. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I learned that coping mechanism a little too late. Um, Um, I think we probably would have started, like we did counseling for navigating the blended family um, early on, but I probably would have done it even earlier. Oh, really? Um, So the two of you did counseling together? Yeah, to better equip ourselves for how to deal with the constant turmoils that would be thrown at us and to ensure that we, like, that we knew where we were at and strong and united in that front to be able to navigate it. I love that. I wish that we would have done that at the very, I wish, man, we could go right now, actually. Um, (laughs) I mean, we weren't, we weren't engaged and we were going, I was like, like actually both of us came to it and said, you know, for, in order for this to succeed, this is what we need. And we still do it. I mean, it's not as frequently as it was back then because we've gotten into our groove. We know our boundaries, you know, but at 
the beginning, we didn't know those things about boundaries. Like, and that was, that's probably one of is if you need a tangible thing is that I didn't, we didn't, we didn't set boundaries early on. We didn't recognize how crucial they were or yeah, because I think the idea of a boundary early on sounds like a fight or sounds hard to implement. And, mm-hmm. but the outcome of it, when you see it through for three months or six months is so much beneficial for the unit within your home. It's gaining control back in your little bubble because at the end of the day, that's all that matters when the doors are closed. Right. Um, so I would say, yeah, number one, counseling as soon as possible, not because there's a problem within your relationship, but how to navigate dealing with a blended family and an external, you know, source and then setting boundaries really early on. I love that you were like in an external source. <laughs> <laughs> that was my political answer. <laughs> yeah. This was all very strength based. This was, this was very, very well, you, you know, you are good with words, Heather. Thank you. <laughs> it's so good. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I, you know what? I know that everyone is going to love hearing your two cents and we will send everyone over to your page. Guys, if you are not following wicked Stepmom on Instagram, get over there. She's got a great feed. Um, always good for a laugh and some real talk. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jamie. It was so much fun chatting with you. All right. See ya. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast. Give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.